Hey, welcome back to Moms That Lead. Have you heard the African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together? If you're a fan of that sentiment, but are looking for new methods or inspiration for how to put that into practice, today's episode is for you. We've talked about how important connecting with others is in this series about becoming a healthier leader. In the last couple of episodes, we've talked about how connecting through doing something kind for others can actually activate systems in your brain that help you to be less fearful, more optimistic and empathetic, and more resilient to stress. But today in my conversation with Ashley McManus, we take the connection conversation a step further, talking about the networks we need to build and nurture if we want to thrive as leaders and as moms. Ashley is the Senior Director of Global Marketing at SmartEye and a mom to two little girls. She's passionate about building a future where her daughters have as many opportunities as their character can take them. I left our conversation challenged and inspired, and I'm sure you will too. But before we get to that, in case you're new to Moms That Lead, let me introduce myself and our movement. Are you ready to jump off the hamster wheel and finally listen to that voice inside that says you were meant for more? Are you ready to replace overwhelm with calm and clarity, self-doubt with confidence, and mom guilt with connection? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Moms That Lead podcast, where we know that moms have a unique ability to be world changers and that leadership is not about position. But instead, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, then you are a leader. I'm Terry Schmidt, your host and leadership mentor, determined to bring you the inspiration, motivation, and practical tips to help you live your best life. I'm a corporate leader and coach turned nonprofit founder. My family's journey to completing an Ironman triathlon changed my life forever, and I want to be your friend on the journey to gain the clarity, confidence, and connection that I gained from that experience. So if you're ready to ditch mom guilt and activate your strengths, let's jump in. Well, welcome, Ashley, to the Moms That Lead podcast. I'm thrilled to have you on. I know you have a wide array of experience, and I'm excited to hear about that, as well as to really dig into our topic today, talking about connection, talking about how female leaders can really help to build each other up as well. So I'm excited for that. But I gave my audience a little bit of an intro to you. I would love to hear it from your perspective. Tell us a little bit about your story, about how you got to where you are today, a little bit about your life outside of work, and and then what you do in your leadership role. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. So yeah, in terms of my career journey, I got a uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts degree from Tufts University. I had a minor in entrepreneurial leadership, wow. and my my career to date little over 10 years now, which is crazy. Mostly uh, B2B tech marketing startups. I believe I'm on my like sixth role or so. I really like building stuff up from scratch. And the the primary thing that I'm focused on in my current role, uh, I'm currently the senior director of global marketing for a company called SmartEye. We were acquired back in June of this year. So it was very exciting. I've been here for about five years. I also came on board to the the company that was acquired by SmartEye. It was called Affectiva. 
And I was there for about five years. And I also was pregnant with my daughter when I was hired. So that was kind of interesting. That's impressive. Um, it was, it, was it, it happened. And I was like, not sure it was really going to happen. I was like, all right, they can't hide the belly. Six months, <laughs> here it is, it's happening. Um, so I'm happy to talk more about that later. But yeah, so I think where, where I'm coming from also, like I said, I've been here in the last 10 years or so, and I'm really interested in the tech space and marketing in general and quantifying marketing. And my, my passion really is, is women in tech and, and women empowerment in the workplace, especially working moms. So I'm really happy to be on this podcast today in terms of family. So I have, I have two little girls. My oldest is five and my youngest is two. I am married. And then personally, I guess I am very crafty because, you know, I don't have enough things going on. So <laughs> I'm really into crochet in my second pregnancy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then during the pandemic, I feel like everybody took on like pandemic hobbies. I did yes. the bread making as most uh-huh. people because Martha Stewart is my, is my spirit animal. Um, <laughs> And then also I started keeping chickens. So I get fresh eggs every day, which is really kind of fun. I tell people that they're like, yeah. what? But I love it. It's so fun. So that was my, my pandemic hobby. And yeah, I think between all of that and kids and working, I've definitely got my hands full. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely sounds like it. And we also got chickens during the pandemic. So <laughs> I have that, have that in common. They are a lot of fun. It's great to go out there and get fresh eggs. Kids love it too. So it's kind of interesting. Yes. Yes. Ours lived in my daughter's bedroom when they were little chicks. So she has a special connection to them. Oh, that's awesome. So cute. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So I have to ask, so going from fine arts to where you are now, you know, more kind of in the tech space, I I heard the minor in entrepreneurship, but tell me a little bit more about how that journey happened. Yeah, right. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I, I went to art school, I guess, but there was always a piece of me that was very much, you know, I was very like academically driven. And I didn't, and I was at art school and I wasn't really feeling like the full time art thing was for me. Like mm-hmm. I was able to think very creatively, which I think is an asset to mm-hmm. corporate marketing. And You know, I, I always had a passion for like the startup life. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So I I had that minor in entrepreneurial leadership and I took that class in marketing. I was like, okay, this is it. I got it. It's happening. And another kind of funny side story was I remember when I was applying to colleges, I actually did apply to Tufts and I didn't get in. So when I applied to, when I got into the Museum School of Fine Arts, which is a, in partnership with Tufts and that those are both schools in Massachusetts, it was kind of like a back door. So I was like, okay, ah. I made this happen regardless. So uh, I thought that was kind of fun, but I also found it was kind of a differentiator, especially as I was interviewing for jobs, people were like, tell me about this art degree <laughs> going on here. And I was like, well, you know, it, as I just told you, you know, it, it allows me to approach things in different ways and I'm a very big like problem solver and how can we get creative? How can we do something differently? How can we also be awesome? You know, Mm -hmm. like everybody's thinking about these things, like how can we just take it to the next level? So that it's kind of a a weaving journey, but it's definitely made it interesting. And it's it's similar to you, you know, you plucked it right out. People in interviews are always like, Mm -hmm. how, how did you, what's happening here? So that's kind of how I got there. Yeah, I love that. I, I love the fact that you kind of knew what direction, what you had an affinity for and, and what your passions were around, but 
the finding how that fit into a profession and, and being so creative with that, even, you know, being creative with being creative, I guess it's just, I think so powerful and, and just a great testament to the fact that it's a journey, right. And you, you gain that clarity on what your strengths are and what your passions are, but then it's a journey to try out different things, to take advantage of the experiences that sometimes are just plopped right in front of you and, and find your own path to impact really, because now you're using those skills to impact people in a way that maybe you never thought you were going to when you initially went into fine arts. Yeah, definitely. That's great. I love that story. Also love to hear about your passion for empowering women. Tell me a little bit more about why that's important to you and how that kind of evolved throughout your professional journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I will, I'll preface this by saying I, I definitely have a big, I guess, mom energy, mm-hmm. especially like even prior to having children, I'm the oldest of three. So, and I have a, I have a little sister who's eight years younger than me. So I've kind of grown up with this, like, okay, like, let's, let's do this. I, there were so many things, especially in my career journey. I wish I had known, you know, like, I wish I knew then what I knew now. Like I wish big sister that was kind of looking out for me and saying, you got to do this and do this and don't do that. And that's not to say like, I I had great parents, but I'm the first one that really went to college. Like my, my dad was a carpenter and my mom, she sells furniture. So it's not like they weren't professional working people. And I didn't learn certain things from them, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I was getting a corporate, like, okay, this is how things work. This is how you interview. This is how you do this. So I kind of just got thrown in you know? So I guess that's kind of where my passion for, for helping women that are like me, help them get to the next level. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, especially as you look in the last year, I know you've probably heard of, you know, the great resignation that just happened. Mm-hmm. So many women have just left the workforce. I think I read a stat that female employment is the lowest since before the 1980s or something. Oh right? my goodness. Whereas before the pandemic, we were, I think, a little over half of the workforce. So that to me horrifies me because I was born in the 80s. So I'm like, okay, we've lost my lifetime of progress. How can we like get that back and then some? So yes. in general, this is something that I just am very passionate about. So mm-hmm. and you know, I, I've been there. I know how hard it is to do everything by yourself. And then there was another data point recently. There's another podcast I was listening to. It was called Redefining HR. It was a it was another colleague of mine who's in HR. And there was a guest on that podcast, and it's from a company called Tend Lab. And this just resonated with me. She was saying how, you know, for as advanced as the US is, other countries have all of these, you know, support systems for families and for you know, people with children. And then the U S has women. And I was just mm-hmm. like, okay, that is so unfair. <laughs> We're expected to just bear the brunt of, you know, the childcare and, you know, the, the doctor's appointments and the school and the, just, just so much stuff that mm-hmm. I know doing it now. And I think a lot of, you know, what I'm passionate about and empowering women is, you know, showing up and speaking up and whether it's at our companies, like this is what I need, or if it's running for public office, like this is what women need. Like we just, we have to be there and say what we need and communicate it and really drive real change. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of a long-winded answer to your story. And I will also, from a personal perspective, my husband has also been a huge help. So I also, I'm not saying all this to say, 
men are the enemy here. Right, right. <laughs> you know, there are usually, if you have a partner, if you have a husband, like so, so much of what we do, you know, we take it on personally. And if you just say, listen, I need help more than more often than not, men are willing to step up and, and do it. I will say that, and this is, I acknowledging that it's very privileged, but when the pandemic first happened, and this was back in like mid March, I think 2020 daycare shut down. Like the world was shutting down. I was like, I can't work. I work in the home. So I couldn't, mm-hmm. but my husband, he works out. So he is an HVAC and daycare shut down. They were just like, we don't know when we're opening. And I was like, great. I've got these two little kids. I still have to work. How are we going to do this? And my husband took a leave of absence. He took three months off. Oh, wow. It actually worked out timing wise because in heating and air conditioning, you're, and we're based in New England, mm-hmm. um, in the winter, people really need heat. In the summer, they really need AC. But in the spring, there's kind of like a, a, a lull. So they were like, he was like, I, I need to take care of my family. Daycare shut down. They're like, yeah, take, take as much time as you need. <laughs> so oh. June, he was, he was daycare daddy, daddy daycare. And like that's amazing. And it was part of, obviously we were living on one income for three months and we we're very uncertain what was going to happen, but you know, that's an example. It's an extreme example, mm-hmm. but he really stepped up. And I think given the opportunity, a lot of partners, a lot of husbands, they want to help if it's also on you to ask too, unfortunately. That's right. That's right. And that's funny, you know, multiple connections here. I think it was probably Amy Henderson, maybe that you were talking to from 10 lab. She was on our podcast as well. And one of the things that we were talking about was that really being a parent or being a caretaker is kind of the best leadership development that money can't buy essentially. But she was talking about the power of involving your partner in that as well. And sometimes we as moms want to take everything on ourselves. And she told a wonderful story for those of you listening. If you haven't heard the episode, I highly encourage you to go back to it. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I think it's somewhere in the forties, but she told a story about just from her personal experience with one of her children. She After doing some research, she discovered that sometimes women will not ask for that help and they're actually doing a disservice to the other caretaker. And so she made a concerted effort to ask if she was blocking him from giving that help. And he said, yes. (laughs) And and the conversation that they had is is definitely interesting. And, And the outcomes of her then changing how she cared for that child and the relationship that he and that child had um, going forth and how powerful it was for him is, is just fascinating. So I think definitely a theme that we may get out of today is how important it is to have those people that you can ask for help and maybe more importantly, being willing to ask them for help. Yep. Absolutely. So that's, yeah, love, love all the work that they're doing at 10 lab and, and everything that Amy is doing as well. I I get fascinated by anything in the brain. And she was talking a lot about the research and the changes in our brain when we become parents and how that makes us uniquely qualified to lead as well. So thank you for bringing that up, even though you didn't know you were bringing it up. (laughs) So speaking of having that network of people that you can ask for help, we have 
in recent episodes been talking a lot about the power of connection. And as a leader, particularly a leader who wants to be a healthy leader, both physically, emotionally, mentally, how important connection is. I know you feel strongly also about the power of a women's network. Can you tell me a little bit more about why you feel so strongly or if you have some stories about how that has impacted your life as a leader? I'd love to hear those as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, and I think about this in in two different ways. So I think the first is really your your professional network. So Mm -hmm. you're helping you advance at work and then your personal network. And that's more of a support system, especially around family. So I guess starting with the, the professional, you know, so often, especially young moms, they find themselves turning inwards as you know, mm-hmm. your responsibilities for caring for children seem to preoccupy much of your time. I know personal friendships and even networking, they really take a backseat to going to bed early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm super guilty of this, by the way. But in a professional context, networking, especially at work, like your place of business is huge. That's the only way that you're really going to advance. And I don't want to say politics, but politics, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's something to be said about not working in a silos, making sure you're, you're reaching out across departments and functions and understanding what everybody does and how they do it and making sure that you're grabbing coffee with the engineer if you're in sales or if you're in product, making sure you're talking to marketing and just in general, I know this is startup vibe here, but mm-hmm. you know, making sure that it, you're, you're fully ingraining yourself in the culture and that you build this rapport with your, your coworkers who want to see you succeed and you want them to succeed as well. So I think advancement in the workplace, definitely your personal network is huge. And also outside of your, your workspace, you know, just, you know, it, before pandemic, it was all like, let's go to our trade show and I'm going to network and mm-hmm. talk to people. I was never a huge fan of that. I mean, I did it, but it always felt kind of like forced and random. And like, how do you end a conversation that you're, I do think one positive of the pandemic virtual networking has been, I've really been vibing on that. Hmm. I don't know if you've heard of lunch club or if you've participated with this. No, I haven't. I will send you an invite, but it's like this invite only community of people that have all signed up to basically be matched and network with each other. So you like input your profile and what you want to talk about and what you're interested in. And when you can meet, you can like put in like time set fit with your schedule and this, the magic of AI will match you with these people. And then it's capped at 45 minutes and you just have a conversation and like as a working mom, it fit with my schedule. I knew it wouldn't be like a, an hour, two hour long thing. I could work it into my day. In most cases, I do it during my lunch hour because I mm-hmm. knew it wouldn't kind of get scheduled. Um, but that I'm slowly building my net. I do it like once a week. I'm yeah. slowly building my network over time. You know, whenever I want to make another job yeah. leap, I know I've got this ever-growing kind of Rolodex of people that I can tap into. And at the end of every conversation, we always say, if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know, which is amazing. That's so great. And we're already, because of the presets, we're already kind of working towards the same goal and place. We're in the same industry. We're in this, we're all in marketing, like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So um, 
I do want to encourage people if you are struggling with a networking thing, like I kind of did, especially as a mom, I was like, I can't go to any events because that's bedtime or, you know, I can't come out of my job to go do this and venture across the country or the city or whatever. So again, virtual networking, definitely check that out. So going back to personal, this was also something when I first became a mom, I didn't really realize or understand it, but I've already hit on the point that you can't do everything by yourself. So really in on a support system of people around you personally is huge. So we've already kind of covered your partner. So Mm -hmm. that's, but you know, there's so many instances where like daycare closes down or a kid has to stay home sick. Like, what do you do? And you have to be at the office and you really can't take the time. And it happened to me so many times. And I, I can see why women are frustrated because like they're, especially me, I, I'm the one that's working from home. My husband's out of the house physically. I'm the one that's got to do, do the thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, I really invested in, I, I am lucky that I have grandparents. So both of me and my partner's parents live nearby. So that's, you know, step one, but then there's your community. So my neighborhood at all is also really great. We have two sets of neighbors that are obsessed with my kids that I can call and be like, listen, <laughs> you pick them up or can you again, watch them for an hour while I take this phone call. And then the the third layer was, I just have this growing list of like three to five babysitters that mm-hmm. I had at one point I was, I feel like I was on care.com. Like it was a third job, just constantly <laughs> doing people. Cause before daycare shut down, we had to have like sitters come in. Like I needed to get some work done. So, and I kept in touch with them. So I have like three or five people that I'll reach out to say, is there any chance you're free right now or tomorrow or next week? I really need this thing. So between those three layers, and then of course, it'll still happen where no one's available and I'll have to take the day that just happened. But I like, I didn't really get that. This is something that you should focus on building up because it's something that you can lean on when you need it. And I, I don't think that people are especially working women realize that this is something they're just like, Oh, I'll just stay home. But especially if you have two kids and the colds and we're heading into cold season, if they have a runny nose, they get sent home or if they throw up, they're staying home and you're like, okay, what do I do now? So right. Um, I just think it's, it's something again, that I wish a big sister had said, okay, you got to focus on building up this network so you can continue to do your job. Um, Yeah. At a base level so that you can continue to do your job. Right. But I I think even more deeply, the connections that you are establishing, maybe not with a babysitter on, on care.com, but, but maybe either professionally or personally, how do you do everything in your power to make that relationship as meaningful or as strong or as if we're talking about connection, that it truly is a connection and it's not just, you know, someone passing you their virtual business card. And, and yes, you end the conversation with, if there's anything I can do, but then no one ever follows through on that. And, and there aren't any subsequent meetings or, or conversations. Definitely. And this is where my marketing brain really turns on. So I'm super active on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and I'm constantly trying to make connections in my brain as to what I'm seeing or if people have questions of me or if I'm reading articles, I'm always tagging people or Mm -hmm. I'm sending them or if I've got a call for, is anyone looking to hire blah? And I'm like, yes, I know this person. So 
like a LinkedIn, you know, you can spend hours on there, but you know, I usually have it open as a tab. And in terms of the breadth of social media options, I think it's Mm -hmm. the most helpful. So spending like an hour or so a day, just kind of reading through articles, seeing if you can connect with someone that you maybe you haven't connected with in a while, checking out your messages, seeing where you can tag or see where there's needs that you might be able to fill. I'm all about making those connections and help people and and kind of pass that forward. So I'm not sure if that fully answers your question, but. No, I think it does. I, I think what I heard was finding ways to help others as you are building your network. So that connection, I have a friend who's who's excellent at doing that. I know this person that has exactly what you need or could help. Why don't you get together and I'll connect you via call or I think it would be beneficial for both of you. But I, I think that theme really having your eyes and ears open for ways that you can connect others to meet their needs or, or to lift them up. My, my next question to you was going to be about what if you're an introvert and you just, you don't, you know, get much energy from connecting with people. But I, I think from personal experience, being in that situation, if I'm able to feel like I'm helping other people connect. I think it makes it a little bit easier to network then if you're constantly going into conversations thinking, what can I hear and what they're saying about what they need that will enable me to help them either personally or via connecting them with someone else? I think that becomes much less daunting of a task than going in thinking I'm going to promote myself. Right. Yeah. Cause there's this perception about networking that it's just like, Oh, I'm just going to go out there and talk to a bunch of people and tell them how great I am. And I, I think Yeah. To your point, if you're an introvert and I I probably am a little bit of both, I'm probably more on the introvert side, but you know, even as an introvert, I think that there's so much value in networking. If you're looking at it through that lens of, okay, how can I help someone? And if, even if you build it, that just that little bit of time into your calendar, into your schedule, or maybe it's a half hour during lunch, and then you just see the benefits over time, because I think also, and I'd say this is probably more for women, but it can be so easy for us to just get stuck doing our jobs, like just Mm -hmm. our job, like our day to day. This is what I have to do. And that's great. Not saying don't do that. But if you're ambitious, if you want to advance, if you want to do more, you have to be thinking about things like your network and building that out and investing in relationships and how can you work with other people to help you get to the next level. The worst thing that you can do is show up at your job, do your job and don't talk to anybody. Right. Right. Um, I think that is definitely a key piece of it as well. Yeah. And I I think even if you would tend to be a person who would go in and just do your job and, and feel like that's all you should do, I would challenge you that being a leader is about more than that. And, and I'm not, just talking to those women who are in formal leadership roles, but being a leader is about taking those gifts that you have and being of service to other people. And the way you just described networking to me just fits right in with that. And so that 30 minutes that you put into your lunch hour or, or whatever it is that you're disciplined about keeping, that's part of your job. That, that's part of your job as a leader. Totally agree. 
I, I know you had mentioned something called the personal board of directors. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. And this is, I'm not the person that coined this. I think I've read it in a couple of articles and it's kind of circulated, but basically when you think of a board of directors of a company, you're thinking of a bunch of people sitting in a room trying to advance the success of a company. And there's a lot of different opinions on how we do this or should we take this risk or whatever. So I am challenging you to think about for yourself, who is on your personal board of directors. Mm. For me, for example, it's a mix of prior bosses that I have still really good relationships with. It's old coworkers of mine, it's peers, it's colleagues, even um, an old professor that I had, like I still am in touch with 10 years later. And the point is, so you, you have this group of people that knows you, that's really invested in your success and they know where you want to go and they know your strengths, your weaknesses. And it's more than just one person who's your mentor, right? Mm-hmm group of people that you can kind of tap into, especially when you have a difficult or a challenging situation that you have to deal with. So I think, I think having that group of people is definitely something you should prioritize creating if you don't have it already. Mm -hmm. For me, I do have a personal story about this. So back when I was, again, six months pregnant with my, my first child, I actually was fired from my job. Mm -hmm. Uh, pregnant, which is a whole story in itself. But, you know, I, I was jobless and I was, you know, sitting there like, okay, what, what do I do now? Because I was at a situation where I can't hide, can't hide the belly. The belly is there. Uh, should I interview at a job and take it knowing I'd have to then take leave? Mm-hmm. Or should I just chill out for probably six months because you got three months till the baby comes and then three months as usual maternity leave. Mm-hmm. So, and I was chatting with my personal board directors. I called every single one. I was like, what do I do? There was one um, woman who was a co- old coworker of mine that hooked me up with a freelancing job, like immediately at her company. She was like, here, this will do over, do this. And I was like, great, thank you. There was another person that helped me. They, they set up a bunch of interviews for me at a couple of companies they knew that they were hiring. Um, and every interview that I got, I would talk to another person and be like, okay, should I take this? What do you think about this? How should I approach this? And so having that, that network to really fall back on and mm-hmm. bounce off of, and they knew me, they knew I was a hard worker. They knew that there's just a tough situation I was in and how is I going to navigate out of it? <clears throat> and I eventually ended up with going for this job at Affectiva and they hired me despite the pregnant belly which was kind of amazing. And, you know, I had the support of this network to get me to this place, but I also knew that I knew I wasn't the person that was going to sit around for six months just because Mm -hmm. of brain can't stop working. Like I just, I enjoyed working and I wanted to keep doing it, but I also knew that, you know, I was able to land this job. Most people, it takes like six months to get a job and I got it in a month. So I was able to dedicate my time. And that was a nice little ego boost. Like, okay, if I did this, I can do anything. And I, I completely had the support and of that network and having that in place. I don't know if I would have been able to do it otherwise. So definitely, I, I can't stress having that board of the people around you to, to make those things happen. Yeah, that's, that sounds amazing and so important. What would your recommendation be if someone, you know, has never heard of this concept, doesn't really feel like they 
even informally have a personal board of directors, how would you suggest they get started? And then how do you maintain that so that it stays a strong support group, support network for you? Yeah, I definitely this, think this does play into your, you know, your overarching networking strategy. So making sure that you're staying in touch with people. I, I really doubt that anyone would not have like a strong relationship with a few people, mm-hmm. rather than old coworkers or an old boss or you know all those people that I mentioned. There's colleagues, coworkers, bosses, professors, you know, best friend's mom that you've just grown up with that is in a similar field, you know, like there's, there's these people that are around you that exist that you're probably already talking to on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. The question is how can you formalize that? So like sitting down and literally writing a list of who these people are and how they could possibly help you because mm-hmm. they, they're already there. And then if you want to go about building it, I would think about who maybe at your company would be a natural fit and asking them if they would have coffee and just talk through their job and how you're really interested in them and maybe help them do like approaching it from a, how to help them, not, can you meet me for coffee so you can talk about me? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> the least thing that I would want to do if someone approached me and did that. So again, kind of framing it as more of like a, I'm flattery. Like I'm really interested, like how you got to where you are. Can I buy you a cup of coffee and ask you some questions on how you did it? And if you're at my company, I would love to maybe work with you on a project. I have mm-hmm. a couple of years. Can we get there? Um, so that's in your company, but also the bigger picture, you know, if you see someone speak at a, an event or a webinar, like it's especially webinars, like everything is so virtual right now. It can't hurt to reach out to someone on LinkedIn and say, mm-hmm. I love the presentation. Can I have a virtual coffee date with you and, you know, share a little bit more. So it will take a little bit of work. To build if you've got if you've got absolutely nothing, but mm-hmm. I also would challenge you to think through who's already possibly on your board already, and then just how can you add and augment that. Yeah, I love the fact that we probably already have these personal board of directors, but we may not be either recognizing them as such, or utilizing them, or nurturing them as such. Absolutely. Do you find that you are on others' personal board of directors as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I am a big, I'm a <laughs> that mom energy. I am all like, I just took on so many interns and I've hired a lot of people and some people still work for me. Some people have moved on. I stay in touch with all of them. So mm-hmm. I constantly are having people like, Hey, I, I like, let's have coffee. Let's connect. It's been a while. I have a question. Do you think I should take this job? So like, as much as I'm pinging all these other people, I'm also getting pinged. And I, I think it, it feels great for me. Like I really mm-hmm. love helping these people and making those connections. And like I said, as part of my everyday networking, I'm always like, if someone's looking for a job and someone's asking if someone's looking for a job, I'm trying to make those connections to help them. And I, it actually helps place a lot of people in jobs. So mm-hmm. that makes me feel good too. So I don't know. Again, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I'm constantly thinking about that as well. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it does. And I think just throughout our conversation, what is rising to the top for me is just the importance of having these networks all around you and considering building them and nurturing them as part of your job, you know, yeah. and, and prioritizing that as such. So 
perhaps even just as important as that task for that specific project that you're leading is on, you know, your day-to-day schedule. So is that task of reaching out to someone just quickly and asking how they're doing or, or finding something that might be particularly relevant or helpful to share with them. I think we should all really prioritize taking the time to fit those tasks into our day as well. Yeah. And, and also as you're, as you're rising up the ranks into that leadership role for as much as people have helped you, I would encourage you to also see where you can reach back down and lift someone else up. Mm -hmm. So someone does ask you for help or you get a cold student email on LinkedIn or whatever, like, can, can I bother you for like, take the time, you know, Mm -hmm. someone did it for you. You should do it for them. Right. Exactly. And you never know what's going to come out of that for you as well. Well, thank you so much for bringing that to light. I know it's challenged me personally, and I'm going to uh, start prioritizing those tasks as well. But I'd love to hear in your you know, vast leadership experience, what's one leadership lesson that you feel most passionate about passing on, whether that to be to your kids or to people you, you lead? If you had to pick one leadership lesson, what would that be? This was such a hard question. I <laughs> so many things because I have so many leadership tidbits that I've kind of learned throughout the years. And I, for me, I think it did come back to, you know, my kids. What would I, what would I tell my kids? And my kids are very little, but one of my most basic things I would say is leadership to me is more than just bossing people around. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really a fan of service leadership. So you need to serve those that you're leading. I think it's about finding what motivates them. Yes, you're doling out tasks, but also making sure that they feel supported, that they're unblocked. Communication is really huge. So regularly checking in with your your reports and making sure honesty is really like you're being honest about what you need from them, what they need from you. And just, I think presence, you know, you can't really take a back seat when you become a leader in your job, whether it's in your community, if you're serving government, you know, we really need collectively our voices to be heard. And again, I know it's so much to ask because we feel like we're doing so much already, mm-hmm. but we really just need to keep pushing through it. So I think that that to me is the, the biggest core piece of leadership that I, I, I don't know always comes across unless you're actually living in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that applies to all different kinds of leadership roles as well. And, and I think, you know, your, your comment to, that we need our voices heard, we need to keep pushing through is so true, but it also becomes a lot easier when you do have that network around you and you do have that support system and, and others that you're connected with and that are lifting you up as much as you're lifting them up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also... I guess another little story is, especially in the startup world, you have such a potential to impact the life of the women that come after you. Mm-hmm. So like I, I still to this day, am the only woman at my company that has had a baby twice. I think everybody, I, I work with a lot of men, mm-hmm. um, but the first time I had a baby, obviously I was only there like three months. But the second time I had a baby, I was like, listen, we really need paid maternity leave. This is something that is a thing and I think would attract a lot of talent and a lot of big, really big companies are doing this and 
for all the future women that you may employ and you want to talk diversity and you want to do this. So I put a proposal together and I submitted it and it got accepted. So from now on, anyone that works in my company, you know, in the years to come has this precedent. So like, that's kind of an extreme example, but stuff like this, where you're just like, listen, I see this thing. It could be better. Let's make it better. Yes. For me, but also for all these other women that are coming after me. So I think this is something that just for everyone to think about would be, would make the world a better place. That's huge. You know, the, the impact and even that being almost part of your legacy and what choices you've made to speak up with, you know, the, the strengths that you have, how they are then going to make others' lives easier and, and help them to lead in the way that they're intended to lead. So. I love that. Love that. Well, if people would like to talk to you more about any of these topics that we talked about, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yes, definitely talk to me. So I have a website. It's called ashleyemcmanus.com. Just my name. I got a little blog on there. I try to share some reflections, some career empowerment tips. So you can check that out. I'm also on LinkedIn. So definitely follow me there. Reach out to me on there. I'm Ashley McManus. My maiden name is Osgood. If you're you know, sifting through the, the Ashley. So reach out to me. I would love to connect and talk more. Definitely. And we know you always have that tab open too. So that tab open. likely <laughs> I'm always, you know, scanning. So definitely shoot me a note. Well, great. Well, we'll make sure we put both of those in the show notes. So they're easy to access so that people can connect with you. But again, just so thankful for you coming on today, sharing your experiences and your wisdom and all that you are doing, you know, day to day to empower women and to help kind of be that big sister, like you were talking about for those that are coming behind you. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you for sharing everything you did. And I hope that we can stay connected and would love to have you on again another time in the future. Absolutely. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. Were you also re-inspired to build and nurture both your professional and personal networks after that conversation? I know I was. And I hope you were too, because in so many ways, it is a key part of being a healthy, impactful leader. Here are some takeaways from our conversation. Number one, it's a simple one, but very important. You cannot do it all alone. Build up a network of people around you who can support you and get good at asking for help. Number two, networking can be as simple as just really listening to what people need and connecting them with others who can meet that need. Number three, if you want to be able to show up effectively as a leader in any context, networking and building connections with others should be one of your top priorities that you work into your schedule each day. Number four, If you don't already have one, build a personal board of directors. And number five, having a strong network can help you to make your voice heard, to push through difficult times, and to advocate for changes that will positively impact not only you, but the lives of the leaders that come after you. Okay, ready to get started? I know I, for one, am going to put time in my calendar dedicated to building and cultivating my network. Because again, we all need support, especially in these current times. Leadership is tough. Whether you're leading in the workplace, in your community, 
or in your family. You're likely facing an environment riddled with fear, uncertainty, and in some cases, even despair. But do you know what that means? The hard truth is that that means that your leadership is needed now more than ever. And we can't crawl into holes like we might want to, like I wanted to last week. We need diverse leaders with unique strengths out there, doing all they can to instill hope and to lead with compassion. We need you. That's why we do this podcast and are working hard to build a community of moms striving to be healthy, purpose-driven leaders. If there's anything else we can do to help you on your journey, don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram, LinkedIn, or even by sending a direct email to me at terry at momsthatlead.com. And as always, until next time, lead with love.